I ask you guys to join me in praying uh, as we come to the word this morning. And I'm going to ask for, if you would uh, pray something specific for me. For some reason this morning, I just have kind of an anxious spirit, uh, which is not normal for me, uh, certainly not healthy according to scripture. So I'm going to ask that as we come to this, if you would just uh, pray for me. If, if any of you are feeling the same thing, I'll just be praying it over the service. But um, yeah, I don't want for anything to distract from what the Lord is trying to do this morning. So join me in praying. Lord Jesus, we invite you into this place. Lord, I pray that you would bring the peace that comes with your presence this morning. I know at least myself, there is something driving an anxious feeling. Lord, we pray that if this is of the enemy trying to distract, trying to uh, get my eyes or our eyes off of you, then Lord, we pray that you bind the strong man. He has no power here. Lord, we pray that you would come and reign in this place. That as your word is spoken, you would be glorified and you would be lift up. Lord, as we come uh, and we seek your face through your word this morning, that we would be transformed to look more like you. The enemy will do anything to stop this from happening. But Lord, what is he to you? Would you come and reign in this place this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you uh, for praying for me as we come into this. So we're continuing through uh, Mark, the book of Mark, and we're going to be finishing up Mark chapter 4, but we're going to take a roundabout way to get into Mark today. We're going to get into Mark by way of Matthew and Luke. Uh, We're going to read a story uh, where where Jesus works a miracle uh, in front of the disciples, but we're going to first, before we look at Mark, we're going to look at Matthew and Luke, uh, because there are many stories in the Gospels, most of you are aware of this, uh, that are repeated in some of the different Gospels, and it's a really healthy thing to read some of the different perspectives uh, on the same event that happens. They can shed some light on each other, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, So by way of getting into Mark 4, let's start in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, This is the story of Jesus calming the wind and the waves. So we're going to read it three times in three different versions and just kind of work our way through it. So Matthew 8, starting in verse 23. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, he being Jesus. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. But he said to them, why are you fearful? You of little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Let's look at the parallel story in Luke, Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. One day he, again, he being Jesus, and his disciples got into a boat, and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. And they came and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, so they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, who can this be? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. So there's a couple different things that we can get from this story. We're going to talk about these two before we jump into Mark. 
One is, is simply the power of Jesus. The, the, the wind and the waves are raging, are crashing in, are, it says, swamping the boat. The boat is taking on water and beginning to, seek, to sink. And Jesus, at a mere gesture, at a mere word, stops the whole thing, calms the whole thing, works a miracle in the lives of his disciples. And I love verse 25 of Luke 8. They were fearful and amazed. And they asked, them, they asked one another, who can this be? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. Let's picture this scene real quick. We talked last week about a sanctified imagination, about how one of the best ways to engage with Scripture is to try to put yourself in the story. If I was Peter, if I was Matthew, what would it have been like to be in that boat? So let's try to picture this scene for a minute so it's not just words on a page. It's not just a story that we've heard. But what would it have actually been like to be there? What would you have felt and experienced if you were in that boat with the disciples? So they set out. They've had an incredibly long day. We're going to find when we look at Mark that this happens on the same day that Jesus has been teaching all of the parables we've looked at the last couple weeks. It's most likely on the same day that he was healing and casting out demons in the synagogue, and they came and accused him of casting out demons by the power of Satan. This was basically a really, really long Saturday started early in the morning with teaching and miracles and defending himself against the Pharisees. And then the crowds follow him out to the lake and he begins teaching them in parables and explaining to the disciples. And so now the day is over and he goes, boys, let's push off and let's head over to the other side. And he conks out. Jesus is done for the day. Wake me up tomorrow. I'm getting some sleep. And so he falls asleep in the stern of the boat and somewhere in the middle of the lake, the winds start to pick up, the waves start to rage, the, the, the rain is falling to the point where these professional fishermen fear for their lives. Think about this. It would not take much waves for me to be out on a boat and go, I'm going to die. Like a gentle breeze and I'm holding onto the gunnels, kind of a little terrified. These are professional fishermen. They have spent their entire lives on boats out at sea. They have been in storms before, and they also know the kind of storms that people don't come back from. This is one of those kinds of storms. These men were not easily panicked. It's not that they were just uncomfortable on the water. They were seasoned fishermen. This was their livelihood. And even they were terrified. Even they were to a point of going, this is so bad, we're going to die. Unless something happens, we're going to die. And I don't know about you, but drowning does not sound like the best way to go. Like this is what they were staring in the face of, panicking with each other. And at some point in time, somebody goes, where is Jesus? Like one, two, three, four, okay, 12. There's supposed to be 13. Where is Jesus? He's sleeping. Peter, go wake Jesus up. What, what are we doing? We're going to die. And so they go, and you can imagine them shaking Jesus awake. Master, master, we're going to die. You have to do something. And Jesus, you, like waking, wiping the water and the sleep out of his eyes, just kind of calmly stands, 
there's, have you guys ever seen some of the Jesus films that are out there? There's been a ton of them created. And in researching this, I found a clip of one where it just showed Jesus walking out to the front of the stern. You know, everyone else is panicking and hunkered down. And he simply just lowers his hand, almost like turning down the dimmer switch on the lights. And the winds and the waves stop. Jesus didn't get up panicked. He didn't get up struggling, going, come on, wind, come on, waves. We'll we'll actually see in Mark, he spoke a few simple words, a few simple commands, and everything is different. But can you imagine what it would be like to be one of the disciples? This is the kind of thing we don't come back from, the, the fear that it would have brought up. We've probably lost friends to storms like this in the past. And so it says, they were filled with fear. They, they wake Jesus up. Master, master, we're going to die. But Jesus has a curious response to them. He stands up. He calms the winds and the waves. And then he looks at them and he says, where is your faith? Or, or back in Matthew, he says, why are you fearful? You of little faith. And I don't know about you, but every time I've read this story for the last 20 years, I read that and I go, Jesus, kind of harsh. Like, of course they're scared. The boat was swamping. Is Jesus telling them, you have no faith because you were scared? Because you experienced fear? Because this emotion came on you, you have no faith? Is that what Jesus was actually rebuking them for? And I've always struggled with this. How many times, who in here has ever been scared before? Good, you're all awake and alive. Okay. How often did you feel in control of that fear? Like, did you have the ability to just flip a switch and turn it off? Emotions don't work like that. Reactions don't work like that. To be afraid is not a sinful thing, is not a faithless thing. It's how we choose to respond when we are afraid that makes the difference. For a long time, I came out of this reading this and going, so I guess just fear is sin. If I experience fear, somehow I have no faith, right? And and I've been struggling with this, but I don't think that's what Jesus was trying to teach. Because here's the thing. Unless there is fear, unless there is doubt, it's impossible to display faith. You guys know that, right? On the good days going across the lake in the boat when the sun is shining and they're all like splashing around, having a good time, whatever they did to to kill time back then, on a great day, how would they display faith? The only way that we can display faith is in the face of uncertainty, doubt, fear. It is incredibly difficult to display faith on the mountaintop. Faith actually comes in the valleys. When fear, when doubt, when uncertainty are coming against me, now I have the opportunity to choose faith. When things are easy and the sun is shining, faith almost isn't an option because things are so easy, it's it's unnecessary. Jesus is right here, I can just feel his presence all the time. I open my Bible and the words are jumping off the page and he's right here, that takes no faith. Those are blessings. I'm not trying to say these are bad things. But that's not the same as displaying faith. The only way the disciples could display faith was in the face of fear. 
So why does Jesus look at them and say, you have little faith? Or, or in Luke, where is your faith? I think Mark gives us a key to understanding this. There, there's a principle that I want to teach you guys in here. It's called reading scripture in light of scripture. Th- this is not just for with the gospels. This is the way that we approach scripture. Is going, scripture makes sense when it's read in the understanding of other scripture. Scripture explains itself. Scripture sheds light on itself. Have you ever read a passage and gone, I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do with that. We talked about this last week with some of the parables. You read them and you go, I don't know what that means. Keep reading. Scripture explains itself. There's still going to be a mystery to it. There's still going to be some things that we don't understand. Simply because I was reading today in Matthew 139. And David is talking um, to God, and I don't have it right in front of me, so I'll paraphrase. But it's the point where he's talking about, God, you know a word before it's on my lips. You know when I rise and when I rest, like when I go out, when I come in, you know all of this. And he says, such knowledge is too lofty for me, too wonderful for me to attain. He says, God, there's things that I am never going to understand because you're simply too big. But he's, he's praising the Lord for it. So there's always going to be this kind of some mystery, some things that are just too big for us. But I think there's far more of us, far more for us in Scripture than what most of us are getting out of it because we give up too easy. Instead of going, okay, wait, where else is this talked about in the Scripture? Man, use Google, use a concordance. I don't, whatever generation you're from will probably dictate some of that. But look up and go, okay, so where else is this story told? Where else are storms mentioned in Scripture? Where, like, whatever it may be, to start reading other Scriptures because Scripture enlightens itself. The Lord brings light to dark places as we continue to seek out the rest of Scripture. And so let's, let's see what this looks like. We read Matthew and Luke and we go, it seems like Jesus is saying, I'm mad at you simply because you were scared. And that, I, I struggle with that. It doesn't make much sense. Let's bring Mark's account into this, which, which actually, if you remember from our first week, is actually Peter's account. Peter was in the boat. Peter was potentially the one waking Jesus and saying these things. Mark was just his editor writing the things down to get the letter out. So this is Peter's eyewitness account, and here's what he says. Mark 4, certain 35. On that day, the same day that all of this teaching took place, When evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and they took him along since he was already in the boat. And other boats were with him. A fierce windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the winds and, uh, and said to the sea, silence, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who is this then, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So what does Mark bring that's different from the other ones? What what gaps does Peter's account kind of fill in for us? What What are some of the differences in the story when we look at Mark's compared to the other ones that we had read before? This is where you talk. What are some of the differences? Okay. Some, some of it, again, just kind of helps you put yourself there. Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. Okay. 
What else? Okay, they started out with other boats. Whether those other boats turned back, whether some of them even swamped, like, we don't know. But there was other boats starting out with them. What else? Yeah. We'll come back to that one. What else? What's different? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other ones just kind of said, like, hey, the waves were big. The boat was starting to swamp. This is like going, no, like, it was filling up. We were, we were actively going down. You know what I mean? Like, Peter paints a pretty vivid picture of it. I think the turning point is in verse 38. But in the stern, or excuse me, but he was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? It didn't just say, and they were scared, and they said, oh, no, Jesus, help. They said, Jesus, don't you even care that we're going to die? All of the sudden, what this storm brought out, the way that they responded in fear wasn't to turn to Jesus and go, we know you've got this, Jesus. We know that you can do anything, Jesus. What do you want us to do? They didn't turn and display faith. What they did, what they allowed fear to bring out in them, was doubt and questioning of who God was, of who Jesus was. They had some faulty assumptions of Jesus that the storm brought out. Fear and uncertainty brought their doubts and misconceptions to the surface. When Jesus then said, like, where is your faith? He wasn't saying, how dare you feel afraid right now. What he was saying is, look at what your faith brought out. It surfaced what's really going on in your heart. The doubts and the questions and the lack of faith that you have have been revealed by the storm. Where is your faith? Do I even care? Author uh, Rob Reamer says this, says we can either act on fear or act on faith, but we cannot act on both. We can act on faith while we feel afraid, but we cannot act on both. We must choose. The disciples were in a situation that brought on fear. Naturally, the waves are coming in. They didn't even know walking on water was an option yet. We're going to die. Fear is there. What did they choose? Did they choose to act on fear? Or did they choose to go, we have the guy who earlier this morning was healing a man with a shriveled hand and casting out the demons. What do we have to fear? What's a little wind and wave? Go wake him up. Let's see what he's going to do. Which way did they respond? They responded in fear, in doubt, in even accusation against God. Have you ever been in that kind of situation where things are looking bleak, where the, the situation is painful, where you don't understand, and your natural response is to accuse God of something? Where are you? What are you even doing? Don't you even care? Jesus would look and go, where is your faith? The circumstance, like the, the feeling of overwhelmed, the feeling of scared is natural, but what does it bring out in you? 
dependence on God or accusation. You see, Peter didn't stand up and tell the boys, it's okay. With everything else that we've seen, what's a storm to him? He's got us, boys. Peter didn't stand up and say, somebody wake up Jesus and just ask him what he wants us to do. Command us, Lord, we're in this with you. Master, we're in some trouble here and we need your help. We trust you. You see, there's actually two storms that were taking place in this story. The physical storm all around them, their circumstances was an actual storm, but there was also a storm taking place inside, a metaphorical storm, if you will. Their emotions were were raging. Fear and faith were battling inside of them, and what we see revealed is that fear won out. God allowed, perhaps even caused, this physical storm to happen so that the storm inside could be revealed. So that what's really going on, does he even care, could be revealed. They already had these faulty assumptions. The storm didn't create them. The storm revealed them. They could have already been been wondering things like, does he ever really care about us? Is he just using us? I thought things were supposed to be easy now. Like we're following the Messiah. Everything's supposed to be good and easy and exposed them for what they were. I thought we were going to get blessing from here on out. Maybe some in the boat were thinking, I knew God couldn't be as good as he says he was. He's just been waiting to drop the hammer this whole time. As soon as we get into a pickle, where's God now? I knew he wouldn't come through. They all had these faulty assumptions already inside God allowed, perhaps even caused the storm to bring them out, but not to condemn them, to build them up. Look at where the disciples end instead. They don't end hat in hand going, I guess we can't follow Jesus anymore. He's mad at us now. They end in Mark 41, and they were terrified, which is probably the best place they could be. And they asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. You want to talk about a faith builder? We brought our worst to him, and look at what he still did on our behalf. He is still with us. He hasn't kicked us out of the boat now. He's still in this with us, and look at who he is. Every assumption we've had of him has now been blown out of the water Because even the wind and the waves obey him at a command, and their faith was built up. The next time that they were on a boat with Jesus, how worried about storms do you think they were? I may have even been kind of hoping for a storm. Let's see what he does this time. And until it started raining, that would have been like, I was kidding, please turn it off. God used this storm to reveal what was going on inside, but ultimately to build their faith. They came to Jesus with faulty assumptions that if they never had to go through the storm, they would have been allowed to just keep walking in. But because they went through the storm, these things were brought to the surface, and Jesus doesn't condemn them. We hear things like, where is your faith? And it's like, ooh, slap. But Jesus was going, look, the way that you responded was not faith. Look at who I really am. 
Look at how much I care for you. Be still, be calm. And their faith is built up. I, I love in, uh, in Luke, in his story, it says that they were fearful and amazed, asking one another, who is this man? So now let's get practical with ourselves. This is where you guys share, and actually, like, just so that I'm going to ask you to be a little vulnerable as we share here. Uh, the Bible calls us family, and I'm going to ask us to act like it. We're not going to record uh, this part, and so you don't have to worry about anything from there. But I'm going to ask us to be real with each other. We're going to talk about some fears and concerns that we have. We're going to talk about some, maybe some faulty assumptions that each of us have in our own life. And I would ask you to be vulnerable. No one's going to jump in and, and, and hit you over the head with it. God allowed storms to bring these things to the surface so that he could help move the disciples past it. Here's the thing, though. We don't have to wait for the storm. We can be proactive. We can come together and go, I think this is in there. And Lord, before we even get to a storm, let's start walking through this. Does that make sense? So let me ask this question first. And again, I would, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's learn from each other. Let's teach each other. What are some storms, some circumstances that we'd like to see calmed in our lives? Let's start, this is a relatively safe one. What are some storms or circumstances particular to us, particular to me, particular to you, that we would like to see calmed? Because I don't want to miss over the fact that Jesus did calm the storm, right? He doesn't always, but he can I believe he wants to calm more storms than we see him do, but we don't even have the faith to ask sometimes. What are some of the storms that we would like to see Jesus calm? 